0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What's keeping you from being the best you can be? Whatever the issue, you can clear that obstacle and come out swinging. Welcome to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Santacola. On today's show, we will feature guest experts who can bring you the tools and ideas that you need to take the next step to your personal success. Now, here is Dr. Linda Sanicola.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today we're taking a slightly different approach to being the best you can be. Everyone knows that I usually advocate an inside-out approach to self-improvement. But I think there's a time and a place for what we might call outside-in. And so today we're going to be talking with an expert on how to go about getting outside-in assistance. My guest is Dr. Steve Vu. Dr. Vu is a board-certified plastic surgeon practicing in Huntington Beach, Corona, and Temecula, California, for over the past 16 years. Dr. Vu received his bachelor's degree at Baylor University and his medical degree from the University of Texas Health Science Center in Houston. His extensive surgical training started in general surgery at the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio. From there, he went on to complete his plastic surgery training at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. From the start of his practice, Dr. Vu focused his interest and expertise to the field of aesthetic plastic surgery. He is skilled in all aspects of cosmetic surgery, but he has a special interest in breast and body contouring procedures such as breast enhancement, breast lift, breast reduction, tummy tuck, body lift, and facelift. Dr. Vu is an active member of several prestigious medical societies, including the American Board of Plastic Surgery, the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, the American Society of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeries, And the American College of Surgeons Outside of his practice He has served as Chief of Surgery At Huntington Beach Hospital Serves as Medicare Inspector For Ambulatory Surgery Centers And has been involved in medical missionary trips To Asia and Central America Dr. Vu is married with two children He enjoys traveling with family Hiking, biking, and photography Welcome Dr. Vu
2: Yes. Hi, Dr. Sancola. I'm glad to be here.
1: Thank you so much. You know, um, I, when I was thinking about your work and your specialty, I was found myself wondering, how did you know this was the specialty for you? How did you get started in this particular area? Uh,
2: it it, it, uh, it, it kind of evolved over time. Um, I wanted to be um, a doctor since I was in high school, and so it was a bit of work to get to uh, to medical school so i was just happy finishing up medical school mm-hmm. but during my uh medical school um rotations and um, um, uh experience i i thought that the surgical field was really interesting cuz you got to work with your hands and get to mm-hmm. fix people with uh with your hands and 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 with your mind Mm-hmm. Um, so, from there, I, I started out in general surgery, uh, and then, within the general surgery field i uh, I was able to do some rotations in plastic surgery and I felt that all the all the plastic surgeons were able to really use a lot of creativity and was able to think outside the box of, to solve a a, a problem. Uh, Certainly at that time, we were dealing more with um, reconstructive surgery, uh, Mm -hmm. and even that was very interesting uh, to learn about. So that's what got me into plastic surgery to start with, Mm
1: -hmm. and then
2: it wasn't until I was well into my plastic surgery training that I started focusing on aesthetic plastic surgery
1: hmm I have to say, you know, I'm, I'm always talking about my show, and, you know, people always ask, well, who's your next guest, and who's coming up? And and they are always seem to be pleased, you know, basically, whatever I say. But I have to tell you, when I started telling people, oh, I have a plastic surgeon who's going to be on my show, there was a certain light in their eye. They got a twinkle in their eye, and everybody sort of perked up and said, oh, that's interesting. And I think that there was some sense that everyone had about being fascinated by the potential that it might hold for them. Is that something you see?
2: Uh, Definitely, and I I think that our specialty has the benefit of having um, the media uh, behind us. I mean, certainly there is um, almost a a media obsession. If you walk through any grocery store counter, uh, I mean, aisle, you'll see, you know, two or three or four publications that have Mm. them on the very front page uh, about some celebrity having some cosmetic procedure done, um, you know. On a on a on a surface, it's very uh, easy to see the changes that's happened. Um, and then, you know, people who view those images um, certainly, you know, integrate that into their mind. And when they're at home, um, certainly, I'm sure, after looking in the mirror, everybody has certain parts of their body that they're not um, um, comfortable with or they're not happy with. And especially as we age, we all know mm-hmm. that uh, the, the wrinkle just seems to multiply a little bit more. Right, so, right, yeah. So then, yes, yeah, um, you know, that's, that's, that's how come the field of cosmetic plastic surgery has really uh, become popular over the past, um, you know, 20, 30 years.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. So overall, what would you say? How would you help people understand what is the purpose of plastic surgery?
2: Well, um, I uh, I have a quote that I that uh, I hang up on on my wall that uh, best summarizes what plastic surgery is, and it was actually a quote from a, an Italian surgeon back in the fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. And it's the most concise um, way to describe what what plastic surgery is uh, is uh, attempts to do. Uh, he said that um, plastic surgeons restore, repair, and make whole those parts which nature has given, but which fortune has taken away. Not so much that they may delight the eye, but they may buoy the spirit and help the mind of the afflicted. Um, so another. Oh, way to, I to I love that. that yes i mean i i it reminds me every time I look at it, it reminds me exactly what I do for a living so it, yes. it makes my job very um easy to do uh very satisfying in that way
1: yeah, that's beautiful
2: mhm yeah um, uh the field of plastic surgery has grown a lot, but it it's been around for a very long time uh in fact, the term plastic was uh first used to describe surgical technique. It wasn't until about um, 70 years later was that the word plastic applied to, um, you know, a, a petroleum product that is used now oh. everywhere.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. As, as you think about it, like, what should people know about who is a candidate for, for cosmetic surgery?
2: Well, the, the best candidate for cosmetic surgeries are people who are reliving a healthy lifestyle. Um, you know, who want to have procedure to add quality to their life. Um, certainly plastic surgery is not going to fix anybody's marital problem or it's not going to help you land a job. Um, but certainly if you feel like um, you're already living, you know, your life in the best manner you can and you're healthy, um, cosmetic surgery is now... Um, reproducible enough and safe enough that um, majority of people can get through the operation with um, safety um, and success.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and what are the most common procedures that are done in the United States?
2: Um, based on you know, the last five-year statistics, it still is liposuction, and I think that has to do with the, um, uh, the, uh, 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 the overweight population. But it's uh-huh. also because of what you know, the the what the models what they're putting uh, on the the the, the cover of magazines and on Victoria's Secret uh, um, um, uh, windows. Um, everybody has these images that they have to be that skinny, so that drives the liposuction and the, and the breast augmentation um, industry um, pr- uh, pretty uh, a lot. So those those two are the the two most common procedures that. Uh, we're having done here in the United States.
1: And is that it, true for your practice as well?
2: Yes, very much so. My, my practice is follows along the national trend. Um, I see a lot of um, mommy makeover type of procedures Oh, that's a okay. new that's a new coined term for mommy
1: makeover, <laughs>
2: right? For women who've gone through all their childbirth and now they're they've lost some volume in their breasts, um, their breasts may have sagged a little bit, and their stomach has been expanded out, and now there's loose skin that no amount of dieting and exercise can get rid of. Mm-hmm. So then, mommy makeover procedures just helps to reverse that pear shape, basically, um, to recreate the hourglass figure, you know, where we're adding back volume to the top and making the waist smaller. So creating that hourglass figure.
1: Kind of redistributing it in, the, in that sense.
2: Exactly, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, and you know, since nowadays we are very familiar with living an active lifestyle and current fashion trends, um, you know, uh, allow women to wear a lot more fitted type of clothing, so it's hard for for women now to hide bulges that um mm-hmm. in the past women were able to to disguise or live with you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. but now you have moms that they could be in their 30s and 40s that live a very active lifestyle that they just you know can't find something to wear that can hide that little extra bulge in their in their mm-hmm. lower stomach
1: Right. just when, when Spanx won't do the job anymore then it
2: is time to <laughs> Spanx is yeah, Spanx is a multi billion dollar uh company that uh you know that really helps women have get a non surgical lift or um you know, squeezing things in. Yeah, but there's right. only so much that Spanx can do.
1: That's right. <laughs> yeah. And then they need to come and see you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, one of the things that I hear people talking about frequently um, is uh, this whole idea of overseas surgery. Yeah. And what is that? Is that is is that an a viable option for people? Is it safe?
2: Yeah, uh, medical tourism has been a uh, growing industry. Um, uh, um, you know, uh, because healthcare in the United States has gotten so expensive that. Mm-hmm. People now have opted to go overseas, um, you know, certainly because of the location where I live in Southern California, uh, going over the border to Tijuana is very convenient and very easy for people to do that. Um, the prices in that, uh, for cosmetic procedures in Tijuana is far lower than it is in, um, in Southern California, um, I certainly have a fair number of patients who come from Southeast Asia that do fly mm-hmm. back there and they uh, tack on a vacation mm-hmm. to have their cosmetic surgery. And, you know, I also have some Middle Eastern patients. Um, they'll fly back to their country of origin and they'll vacation there and have a few procedures done. And I usually can never match the um, uh, the, the amount that they're paying for. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the you know, the price for the cosmetic surgery over there. Um, the only thing I would caution is that you've got to really do your homework and find out who's going to be the doctor that's going to do your surgery. Right. Um, you know, for somebody who's not, um, as, um, uh, uh, not as informed, they can walk in and certainly can have um, a medical procedure being sold to them, um, you know, and that could lead to, Consequences that are at at best um, not successful, and at worst could lead to mm, to death. Um, You know, I'm I'm not saying that uh, other countries don't have good doctors, um, but there's the um, credentialings and the education in other countries may not be as stringent as it is here in the United States. So that's that's the protection that patients in the United States is offered is you have a standard of of training here that that we or that all doctors have to abide by.
1: Right. And that I, th- I think that that might be a little bit frightening, you know, for people. But I guess if they are going to their home country, then it, they might feel a little bit more confident with that.
2: Right. But also the other, the other practical um, scenario that people don't think about is what if there's a complication? Right. Either if you have a, you know, Lord forbid, nobody wants a complication, but it may happen. And if it does happen, can you afford to stay there longer to have a complication be taken care of? Right. Or do you have to fly back to the United States? And if you come back to the United States, is it delaying the care and also uh, the expense of the revising and taking care of a complication? Here in this country now, is going to end up being a whole lot more than if you had just stayed in the country to begin with.
1: Right, right. That sounds pretty frightening, really, to to think about those things. And, and, you know, like I said, I'm sure that it happens for people and it happens in a safe way. But uh, I think, as you've suggested, people really need to do their homework and make sure that they're uh, prepared for all uh, eventualities
2: and right. I mean, certainly, you know, as I warn I, every one of my patients, too, there is complication that can happen anywhere. And but at least here, um, I'm trained to um, reduce, you know, um, chances of complication and also mm-hmm. to uh, head it off if it does happen and then be able to take care of it if it, if in a worst case scenario, that complication does happen.
1: Right. Absolutely. And we are getting ready to take a short break here. And as we go to break, we're going to be reminded by the temptations that beauty's only skin deep. We'll be right back.
0: are you happy with your financial life or are you like most people underachieving with your income working your tail off without the rewards you deserve are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again hitting an inner set point perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again are your finances a source of peace or stress Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day each day holds a treasure the extra in the ordinary it is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted if you want to add sparkle to your day listen to mighty gems spotlighting everyday jewels with d lee She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own mighty gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America
2: Empowerment Channel.
0: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Tuned in to be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We are talking with my guest today, Dr. Steve Vu, and he's helping us understand about plastic surgery and how to determine whether or not it's right for you. And um, Dr. Vu, I know one thing that I often hear people ask is, what is the difference between a cosmetic surgeon and a plastic surgeon?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, and um, I think for your listeners, uh, this is a good opportunity for me to try to differentiate between the the two terminologies. Um, First of all, a a plastic surgeon is someone who's been trained in a wide variety of fields that has to do with um, body restorative um, surgery. That includes reconstructive surgery and cosmetic surgery, so... um, the way I look at it is that cosmetic surgeries uh, consist of about 10% of what a plastic surgeon um, ha, has received in, a, in his or her training. Awesome. Um, there are other plastic surgeons that do exclusively burn surgery. Some mm-hmm. will do pediatric craniofacial surgery. Some do breast reconstruction surgery. Uh, some will do hand surgery. Um, and then there are some subset of, of plastic surgeons like myself that um, um, uh, focus more on cosmetic procedures. Um, then there are, um, other specialists out there who, um, are also, uh, trained in the field of cosmetic surgery. And so this is where it gets a little confusing. Um, in, in the field of plastic surgery, we traditionally, um, we go through about a six, seven-year uh, period of, of residency training in, mm-hmm. in, in that surgical uh, specialty. Um, uh, ear, nose, and throat doctors can also do their own what they call fellowship, which is an additional one- or two-year fellowship. and They do a facial plastic surgery uh, training. And then a uh, ophthalmologist also have their own uh, one year training in what they call oculoplastic surgery training. All of these um, specialties are kind of like the core posture, uh, the core specialties when it comes to uh, cosmetic surgery itself. And Then you have a dermatologist also that is um, a part of the core group of uh, cosmetic doctors. Um so there are so anybody can call themselves cosmetic surgeon or cosmetic doctor. Um, okay. Some people may be um, um a family practice doctor, some people may be an emergency room physician that's taking a course in yeah. uh in, in in cosmetic procedures um so it's not illegal by any means to do that, but obviously you have uh, to make sure that you 're comfortable with that um, because you have somebody who 's you know going through um, a one week one month, six months one year training versus somebody who 's gone through six or seven years of surgical training, so mm-hmm. that 's where you really have to ask questions about what board certifications do you have and where did you get receive your training and all that and
1: and with respect to board certifications, can you explain what that is?
2: Um, th- in the United States, there is an organization called American Board of Medical Specialties that they certify, um, you know, um, um, certain specialties like family practice, board of family practice, board of uh, OB gynecology, board of neurosurgery. So there is a board of plastic surgery, American Board of Plastic Surgery, that's, that certifies and um, you know and uh, that certifies all of the plastic surgeons who receive the, the six seven year of training followed by a rigorous uh, written exam, and then um, an oral examination. So there's a lot of um, hoops to jump through in order to get that board certification. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, you know, that's why we feel like uh, we, um, you know, are well qualified to perform this type of procedure. Um,
1: And it sounds like, um, if I understood you correctly, that plastic surgery, training. And then certainly once you're boarded in that, it offers the broadest and most solid foundation for the surgical training period. And then you can go into, you know, various subspecialties as you have, but you're going to get that comprehensive base of training. As it relates,
2: yes, as it relates to the field of plastic surgery. um, You know, legally I could do open heart surgery, but uh, do I want to? No, because I didn't receive all that training. Right, um, that right. that a open that a heart surgeon did receive, so right. that's that's what it comes down to.
1: And, and I know when I refer people to various specialties, and and probably I refer most commonly to psychiatry. And I always recommend that people see a physician that is board certified in their specialty. And so it sounds like you're saying that's a pretty good idea overall
2: yes because there's there's a certain standard of training uh, that you can be assured of that's why the American Board of Medical Specialty exists is to make sure that doctors who are uh, you know can claim that their boards are fight have to meet a minimum standard of training um in order to do the procedure that they're doing um, Obviously, what we're doing can be very dangerous if you um you know um are ago about it or um, or just um feel like it's uh superficial surgery and that's mm-hmm. the perception that a lot of people have out there not only lay people but pseudo medical people and even even medical doctors uh, will feel like you know cosmetic surgery is very, is superficial so it's easy to learn and to to some extent yes if you simplify it um you, it it is fairly you know, if you, if you just keep it very minimal, yes, it can mm-hmm. be as simple as a matter of cutting out a little bit of skin and stitching it up. Um, but the, then you have people that are injecting, you know, industrial grade silicone into people's mm-hmm. bottoms, and mm-hmm. that leads to sepsis and infection and death. And so, right. because they think that that's easy to do.
1: Well, it's always, you know, being prepared for the downside or the complication. I think mm-hmm. that that's, that's what you want to feel like you're in good hands. No matter what, what you're having done, you want to feel like your doctor can handle whatever emerges from that. And hopefully it's always a good result, but there are times when it's not.
2: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: What, what are some of the potential complications from cosmetic surgery?
2: Um, uh, because it is a surgical procedure, it it shouldn't be taken lightly. It's not the same as going in and buying a car or buying a TV set. You know, those things you can return or you can sell away. This is this is your body, the one body that you're born with. So you do want to um, take this uh, decision very seriously. Um, and I think for the most part, you know, the people that I meet do um, feel that way. Because and through the advent of, you know, Internet nowadays, everybody has... Access to seeing, you know, um, really bad complications that can come out mm-hmm. of my surgery, uh, but that doesn't mean that it happens all the time. Um, in fact, the rate of complication, if it's done properly uh, in a in a accredited facility by a well trained surgeon, uh, should be very minimal. It should be, you know, be kept at down to one two percent,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and so you know some of the other some of the complications that uh, that can happen can happen with any any surgical procedure um bleeding infection um you know uh, but also because it's a cosmetic procedure since it's elective we're faced with a unique um um problem that you know we have to meet you know the patient's um uh, um standard meet their expectation also Right. So that that to me is probably the the most challenging part of cosmetic surgery is to meet people's expectations. So that's why it takes so it, it I take so much time to to get to know my patients and you know during our consultation that's when we really want to share ideas and information with each other to see if, whether or not I can meet that patient's um, you know um, uh, desire. Mm-hmm. So that way, uh, and I think for the most part I'm able to get most of my patients there.
1: Hmm. And and it seems like you really have to ascertain: Is their desire realistic?
2: Right. And that 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 is a that's a big challenge. Um, yeah. And I think a um, a reasonable surgeon doctor should know his or her limitation. Mm-hmm. Uh. In In that regards, you know, uh, we. I don't think we should promise the moon um, because mm-hmm. it would be very difficult. I mean, uh, just like uh, if it's possible to hit a home run every time you go up to the bat, um, then mm-hmm. everybody would be doing it, right? Right, Um right. But it's, that's not the reality. Um, you know, um, most of the time we er, all of us uh, would do do the best we can to make sure that everyone um, gets through the operation safely and have the best result that we can achieve. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes we have to lower people's expectation down a little bit, and that's where mm-hmm. that. So that's where the process of the preoperative consultation really is very important. So to me, surgery mm-hmm. really starts the very minute that I meet my patient uh, for the first time.
1: Right. It, you know, that was going to be my next question about um, how. How realistic are people's expectations, you know in general, as they come in, you know do they want uh, a breast enhancement to save their marriage or you know how you begin to have to tease out uh, what they really want and what's reasonable or realistic mm-hmm. for them?
2: Right, and so the, this is where it becomes a challenge in, 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 in the practice that you're you're hoping that the patient's giving you you know honest answers and all the answers um, to it's for us to get to know them in a way. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. if they're immature enough to think that, you know, this will help, uh, this procedure is going to help, you know, them get whatever they want to get, that I don't, you know, that that I, if I can figure that out or know about that, then I will counsel them and let them know that, you know, this may not be the way to go to achieve mm-hmm. that. That end result. Mm -hmm. But on the same hand, um, you know, we understand that we live in a society and, and, you know, that is very image conscious. And so it's okay to be able to alter and also improve yourself, you know, through Mm -hmm. exercising, eating properly, and a little bit of cosmetic procedure, too.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I find that, again, in this area where we, we both practice, um, a lot of people as they get older are tending to focus more on um, wanting to look just a little bit less tired or some of those signs of aging be erased um, so that they feel like they're more competitive in the work environment.
2: Uh, not, yeah, not only in the work environment. I, I do have some of those people that, um, that definitely want to continue to work, um, and they know that, that their comp- main competitions are the younger people. And so they do what right. they can to keep that competitive edge. But I also have other retirees who are very active in their social life. You know, they're not ready, yeah, they're not ready to go to a nursing home, for example. Uh You know, they they are out there playing tennis, they're out there socializing, they're attending parties, um, they're going to this and that event. So in that regard, if they're healthy and if their expectation is reasonable, um, there's no reason not to have um, cosmetic procedures, um, especially if it's done safely and you don't end up you know, uh, go, doing so much that you end up looking like somebody else.
1: Uh, right. And it, so it, it sounds like, um, really, it's about people wanting to continue to participate in life fully.
2: I, I think what, you know, the, the way I sum, summarize what cosmetic surgery is designed to do, it's that it adds quality to, to your life. Uh-huh. That's, that's okay. the way I... Whatever, really, in
1: whatever area of life you're interested in, that's, that's where the quality is directed.
2: Exactly, exactly. Okay, exactly. okay. Right.
1: we're going to n- take another short break, and we will be right back with my guest, Dr. Steve Vu. <laughs>
0: on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Are you happy in your life, or are you just settling? It's time to speak out, take control of your existence, and let your life speak. Bart Queen is the host of A Hero's Journey. His personal goal is to help you find your voice, use that voice, and live the life that you deserve to live. Do more, be more, and give more. Tune in to A Hero's Journey on the Voice America Empowerment Channel, live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You owe it to yourself to tune in and make your voice count. Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you, like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom-or-bust cycle over and over again?
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit DrSanicola.com. Again, that's DrSanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We are visiting today with my guest, Dr. Steve Vu, and he is helping us learn about what are plastic surgery options that exist and how to determine which procedures might be best or appropriate for each of us. So, Dr. Vu, can you talk a little bit more about the kinds of of, uh, procedures that are available? I know you mentioned a couple of them, but I'm sure there are lots more.
2: You're right, um, you know uh, everybody knows about the breast um, uh, augmentation procedures, facelift, uh, eyelid procedures, uh, n- rhinoplasty procedure or nose jobs, um, and tummy tucks and liposuction um, but uh, but because of the um, changes in uh, our society's view on on, on, um, on beauty. Um, Plastic surgeons have had to adopt and uh, there are some new procedures that are uh, coming to light and that we're doing more and more often nowadays. Um, So, for example, um, because of celebrities like Kim Kardashian and and Jennifer Lopez, the uh, uh, buttock enhancement has become a very hot topic now and Mm -hmm. it's become very popular around the country. Um, So, um, a lot of... Your uh, listeners may have heard of Brazilian butt lift. Um, And what that is is basically um, fat grafting, uh, basically borrowing fat from another part of your body where we harvest through a liposuction technique. We um, concentrate uh, that fat down and then re-injecting that fat back into the bottom to basically enhance the volume of the buttock. Uh, another way to do to enhance the buttock is just to put in an implant uh, in there um, and that 's a much more difficult procedure to do and much more difficult to recover from than fat grafting um, wow. there are then there's another big segment of uh, population that are having plastic surgery now, and that segment pa uh, patients are the patients who have lost a massive amount of weight where it's oh, yeah. through yeah, uh, whether it's through a stomach uh, a stapling procedure mm-hmm. uh, like, like a lap band or a Roux-en-Y right. gastric bypass mm-hmm. or just from regular old-fashioned dieting and exercising. You know, mm-hmm. some of these patients who've lost about 100 pounds or more, they have a lot of loose skin. So now, right. so that, the you know, their procedure to lose the weight is only the beginning. And now they either mm-hmm. have to live with, you know, a lot of loose skin or... You can come back and the plastic surgeon could lift the arms, the saggy skin, you know, that's under the arms, um, saggy skin on the thighs, saggy skin Mm -hmm. on the stomach, of course, but also the saggy skin on the buttock. That can be lifted through a procedure that's called a belt lipectomy, which is basically a tummy tuck that's done completely around the whole waist to lift not only the stomach, but also the backside. I know uh,
1: I, I've had several patients with, with whom I've worked who've had uh, the gastric bypass, and then, um, and this has been some time, but they, um, they were unprepared for the idea of needing additional surgery subsequently because they were left with all of that skin that had to be removed.
2: Right because I you know because the bariatric surgery portion of it was only focused on getting them through that operation so that way they can lose weight that's right. a major that's a major operation fraught with you know a high uh, fraught with, with complications that could be very high risk so you know I can understand the general surgeons who do that procedure only focusing on that part but mm-hmm. the patients uh, yes definitely need to know that there is going to be consequences of that weight loss and that has to do with the skin laxity Um, and unfortunately you know uh, mother nature is not never is never going to you know make that skin tight on its own
1: right right that's what about um what about scarring can plastic surgery remove scars
2: um, technically, no one can erase a scar. Um, there's no technique out there, whether it's surgical or laser, that can that can um, remove a scar completely. What we can do, though, is improve the appearance of the scar so that way it um, it, it looks less noticeable. Um, you know, if you have a wide scar or a thick raised scar or indented mm-hmm. scar, those things can be surgically revised to m- make it into a a thin, flat, white scar. That's mm-hmm. about the best scar you can uh, hope for. And mm-hmm. then, hopefully, it's in places that it can be hidden away. So, mm-hmm. for example, like, you know, um, a C-section scar can be hidden away easily in a, in a panty line. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's where, you know, a plastic surgeon can, can help just to make it improve the appearance of it. But um, it's a bit of a stretch to say that you can erase scar completely. There are sometimes, you know, rare instances that scars would heal so well that you, you may not even be able to see it. But I don't think mm-hmm. anybody can guarantee that.
1: Mm-hmm. What about tattoos? You hear a lot about tattoo removal in today's world. Is that something that that's uh, that you can do?
2: Uh, yes, uh, certainly. Uh, tattoo removal uh, utilizes uh, light energy from uh, from a laser, a specific light beam. Uh, that is specific for the ink that's in the skin. So basically what it is, you're just apply, applying a power to that ink droplet to to basically break up that droplet into smaller little droplets so that way your body um, dissolves it or break it up. Um, mm. It Usually to avoid a burn, you have to do it multiple times. And I don't do this procedure, but the people who do it um tell me that there are certain type of inks that are very difficult to remove and but most of the common type of inks uh, can can be erased and um there are some very good results from that uh where y- you don't see any any residual um um uh color left from the tattoo, but there's also others that will leave scarring or even a a ghost image of the tattoo remaining
1: oh mm. Yeah, that's. I would imagine that's a challenge as people sometimes get older and realize that maybe some of those images they had aren't really yeah. appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Um, so um, in the next couple of minutes, can you describe maybe what are, are some of the, the newer trends in minimally invasive procedures?
2: You're right. So... The minimally invasive procedure is probably the fastest growing segment of cosmetic medicine, and uh, this uh, and and the procedures that goes into ca- that category uh, tend to be injectable and laser kind of uh, treatments. So, injectables are um, are Botox and fillers that everyone has heard about nowadays, and mm-hmm. it's very popular mainly because it uh, is very um, Easy to perform. Um, In fact, nurses are doing it, um, you know, with the supervision of a doctor, of course. Um, And, you know, patients are very happy with it. Um, It works very consistently, and it has the benefit also of being a temporary product. Um, Mm -hmm. And I say it's a benefit because um, if you have a bad result or a complication from it, it's usually not going to be. uh, you know, a mage uh, it's not going to be permanent. Is, is right. what I'm saying, and mm-hmm. so that's why it's very popular. And it allows a patient to have no, re- uh, r- very little, if any, recovery time from having those procedures done. The price point for those uh, minimally invasive procedures also a lot lower than it would be for surgery, mm-hmm. um, because surgery involves you know uh, being able to needing the use of an anesthesiologist and an operating room, of course, and, and maybe mm-hmm. implants even. Yeah.
1: Right, and and then people as you say if it's temporary, people have the chance to say uh, uh, they want it to be adjusted maybe a little bit, you know, a little bit more in this area, a little less in that area Ooh, so right. they can a- achieve a, a a desirable result and and see that immediately.
2: Right, exactly. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of benefit to the the the, the injectables uh now. I mean, you see the result almost instantaneously and um, and unfortunately, if you like it, you do have to come back and, and, and re-inject. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's it's a wonderful product, and uh, gosh, I mean, it's amazing how 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 that one product has really um, changed our industry. I, mm-hmm. I use it basically to uh, to complement my surgical um, uh, results. Mm -hmm. Um, because there are things that Botox can do that I can't do surgically either.
1: Right, right. Interesting. Very interesting. So um, as we get ready to go to another break, um, I want to remind you that we are visiting with Dr. Steve Fu, and he's helping educate us on plastic surgery, what it can and can't do, and how to determine if you're a good candidate for that. So we will be right back.
0: live up to your fullest potential this is the voice america empowerment channel are you happy with your financial life Or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Are you looking to get unstuck from the rut that has seemingly become your life? Move ahead by tuning in to Psychopedia, Life Principles to Help You Get Unstuck. Host Dr. Jeffrey Shaw and his guests will help with the encouragement you need to make that forward move guests include therapists, financial advisors, and more, as well as shared stories of hope from the listening audience. Psychopedia, Life Principles to Help You Get Unstuck, can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today. you are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We are visiting with Dr. Steve Vu, and he is educating us about plastic surgery today. And as we start this last segment, Dr. Vu, I want to make sure I thank you for sharing your time and your expertise with us today. It's been really, really very helpful, very informative.
2: Yes, uh, I really appreciate uh, the uh, opportunity to come here to inform your listeners, um, Dr. Sanicola.
1: You're most welcome, and um, I want to make sure that people know how to reach you. How can they contact you if they'd like to get in touch with you?
2: Um, they can find me through, uh, they can get my contact information through my website. It's www.stevevumd.com, and that's spelled S-T-E-V-E-V-U-M-D.com. Or they can reach us directly uh, on our phone, which is 714 848 one, one, three,
1: three. Thank you. And, um, you know, I want to start with a quick question, if I may. I think it's quick. It may not be. Um, I okay. wanted to ask um, about age. How young or how old do people have to be or shouldn't be when they get cosmetic surgery?
2: Okay. So we, we do do um, what I consider cosmetic procedures on teenagers also. All right. And all the way, my oldest patient is 85 years old. She just happened to be married to a gentleman who's in his 50s.
1: Wow. And
2: she's healthy and uh, live a very active lifestyle, like I mentioned to you. And so she even had her breath uh, implants done at that age. You know, I want to say, you go, girl. (laughs) <laughs> right. Exactly. So, you know, if 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 like I said, if if you're healthy, meaning not a lot of medical problems, um, and you feel like this is something that is important for you, yeah, uh, yes, yeah, certainly have sit down with a with a plastic surgeon and find out if the, you are a candidate for this. Um, as far as teenagers are concerned, there are a few types of procedures that, um, are applicable to those, uh, that population. Um, they can be nose resh- reshaping surgery. Uh, there are some teens with, uh, prominent ears, you know, where mm-hmm. their ears stick out a little bit and they're mm-hmm. very embarrassed, self-conscious about that. We certainly can recontour their ear to bring it back. So it, it falls in a more of a normal fold and shape. Um, there's also, um, teenage girls now um uh, also are suffering from in, uh massively enlarged breath wow. and also I, I i i see it on 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 male teens also um especially the population that's uh tend to be a little bit more on the heavy side mm-hmm. they their breast has grown large enough that it causes a lot of um self esteem problem so those are the primary candidate for um plastic surgery in the in a teen population Mm-hmm. So t- that hopefully covers the two end of the spectrum,
1: right? And teen meaning like more seventeen or more fourteen,
2: or doesn't um, matter. You know, for like for like the ear procedure, you can do the pro- you can um, refine the ear at, at fourteen years old. Okay. Uh, by that by that age, the ear has stopped growing already, and so you can um, modify and, 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 and pin back the ears a little bit if it's really bothering them. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure, as we all know, at that age, we're very self-conscious about our bodies.
1: Right, right. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. Now, um, if we could spend a few minutes talking, if you will, about this whole controversy. I don't know if it's still raging, but I know for a number of years, um, breast augmentation used to be extremely popular. And then there was the whole silicone uh, controversy, and and I don't know what the status is of of that now.
2: Yeah, this is a, a very good topic uh, to bring up to your listeners. I think uh, just to inform everybody, um, I don't hear the concern about silicone breast implant as much now as I used to. Uh, But for some of your older listeners who went through the 90s um, and may have had family members or friends who have breast implants in, and they may remember this controversy. But there was a, um, well, just to give you a little historical information, and I won't try to keep this uh, too long, um, silicone breast implant was invented in 1965, and so it's been used for a very long time. Up until the 90s, the FDA never uh, was mandated to study Breast implant, um, implant device. And then the controversy started around the time that the Congress, um, allowed, um, or, or mandated that the FDA start looking at medical devices. So, anyway, in 1993, uh, there was a, a, a television show, um, that featured a small group of women who came on TV and claimed that they had silicone implants, and, uh, all of them happened to have lupus, the, you know, this mm-hmm. small group of people. Mm-hmm. And so they um, did not present uh, the opposite view uh, on that uh, segment of oh. show. Mm-hmm. And so then it caused a, a, a great deal of backlash. And a lot of women at that time who had, silico- who had implants had silicone implants. So they were rushing in to their plastic surgeon's office to have the implants removed. Mm-hmm. So that led to... Uh, class action lawsuit. And in fact, it, um, uh, Dow Corning was the largest breast implant manufacturer at that time. They had to declare bankruptcy just so they can protect themselves. And they got out of the business of making breast implants from that. Okay. Okay. So the FDA then uh, came in and put a moratorium on the use of silicone breast implants until more studies could be done. So, But at that time, they were still allowing a small population of women to get the breast implants, uh, the silicone breast implants, in, in the format of a, of a, a scientific study. Mm-hmm. Then in, in 2006, um, the, the remaining manufacturers of the breast implants presented the data to the FDA, uh, which uh, disproved any association of autoimmune disease with, associated with uh, breast implants, specifically okay. silicone breast implants. Okay. So, because, so from that study, the FDA um, allow the silicone breast implant to be brought back into the market um, with some stipulation. Um, stipulation is that, one of the stipulations is that they still want the breast implant manufacturer to continue a 10-year study. Mm-hmm. We're now probably about, what, um, so from 2006 to now, yeah. we're mm-hmm. almost Nine years. complete with yeah. this study now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we haven't, heard of any major um, relationship between uh, autoimmune disease with these uh, silicone implants. Um, and there was one, one real um, problem that the old generation of the silicone implants did create, which was that when it leaked, it, um, it formed clumps of, sc- uh, of hard, painful scar tissue on a woman's mm. breast. Mm -hmm. So, the implant manufacturers have refined their um, manufacturing of these implants now to the point where now the silicone gel itself is very dense. Mm -hmm. So, that's why some people call it um, the gummy bear implant.
1: (laughs) Okay, I hadn't heard that before.
2: So, the idea is that if you cut these implants in half, the gel doesn't go anywhere. It keeps its shape. So that's why it's called a gummy bear implant now. So, so we, w- they've eliminated that risk of that um, granuloma or that scar tissue related with silicone.
1: So the um, bottom line is then that it's safe now.
2: Well, uh, I, I just want to uh, bring up one, uh, one little caveat that just came out in the last uh, four or five years. There was a small study done in Europe that found a very small... A subgroup of women with breast implant that did develop what's called large cell lymphoma that was found mm-hmm. on the surface of the scar tissue around the implant. Mm-hmm. Because it was such a small group of women, um, it, it is it is a concern, but we don't know how how prominent this this problem is. So the FDA is looking at this uh, issue uh, closely, but they're not recommending that women should go in and and replace their implant, or they're not banning the silicone implant again. Okay,
1: so really? Uh,
2: Yeah, so the bottom line you have to understand is that silicone implants have been used worldwide, uh, even during the time that the FDA had a moratorium in the use here in the United States. Okay, great.
1: Well, yeah. I certainly thank you for your expertise today, Dr. Vu. Vu. Thank you once again. And I hope everyone will join me next week when my guest will be a fellow psychologist, Dr. George Pratt, when he will be discussing his work, including his book, Code to Joy. And I leave you today with the words of Ralph Waldo Emerson, the love of beauty is taste, the creation of beauty is art.